On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Derek Parker at DPark OK to discuss the Thunders' first few games, how they're going to handle the next five games, and can Josh Giddy break out of his slump and more. Coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHunderPod. On today's show, we are joined by Derek Parker of InsideTheThunder.com, DraftDigest.com, and DparkOK on YouTube and Twitter. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm on the the front end of a Thanksgiving back to back today. Um, really like a back to back to back to back because I've got like four or five Thanksgivings. But I'm I'm ready to hit it all in stride. Continue watching hoops throughout every single day. It's a it's a great time of the year. Listen, man. You know, three games in four nights. You you've got to be ready to roll with the punches. You know, this is a young team. You you and your uh, lovely bride to be young couple. Got to make it through. Got to show maturity. Got to you know handle the stress and the pressure of the performing really it's very performative to go to all these Thanksgiving. So I know you can do it. One thing that you've been performing on is Twitter. Goodness, Derek, <laughs> how many fights are you going to get in on Twitter? Do people really see these as fights? Like, I feel like people's I, I've had multiple people tell me that of like, man, you're really scrapping on Twitter. And it's like, this is not, this is not even like a top 10 fight of the week. Like you ought to see me, my, my actual fisticuffs. Like this is nothing. Twitter's wow. nothing to me. Wow, you just called those trolls light work. So you're just <laughs> in, in little Donnie Brooks, huh? Little little brouhaha's on the weekend. Listen, these these guys on Twitter, in my quote tweets, getting their little ten likes over and over. Same ten people liking their tweet. They're nothing. They're nothing to me. Wow. Well, <laughs> TP, I love the confidence, but <laughs> let's let's uh, let's talk about Josh Giddy. Okay, he's okay. the he's the hottest topic around the Thunder. Because I think that, like going back to, uh, you know, some of the Twitter fodder, I think that when you look at a lot of, especially younger people on Twitter, they, they in my opinion, they kind of view it as the only objectivity is negativity. So if you're positive, then you're automatically not objective, and so everyone is always looking for something to click onto of why uh, this is terrible. Despite the Thunder being ten and four, despite them still not clicking yet as a whole unit and still being this good to kind of lay the foundation for how good that they can be. Uh, but one of the biggest talking points in this success has been the lack of success for Josh Giddy. What's been your overall thoughts on Josh's performance so far this season and also kind of how he can uh, turn it around with this group? Yeah, I think firstly, like there is merit to some, I don't want to say slander, Josh Giddy slander, but to, to the, the energy that's being thrown Josh's way. Like to this point, he has not been a great or impactful basketball player in the season, like point blank period. There's not really a positive spin on, on what he's done tangibly so far this year. But the, the issue with that take is that it's completely in the now, like these exact same people that are, that are wanting Josh Giddy off the team right now, wanted Lou Dort off the team last year. And obviously look at what Lou Dort has done this year. He's been phenomenal has improved in a ton of ways and he's what 24 
Josh Giddy's 21. You know, there's a lot of time to improve. Again, to this point, he hasn't been great. This is still 14 games into this core. You know, like Josh Giddy has been asked to change his game more than anyone on this Thunder team in the past few seasons. And he's been asked to do it again in this lesser role, in this kind of less on ball role that he's done this year. And I think we've got plenty of evidence that he can adapt to that. You know, last game or last year, of course, he comes out and he is not as good in the first stretch of whatever, 8, 10, 14 games. Then he comes back and he puts on a phenomenal rest of the season. I think we have evidence that Josh Giddy can be a good, impactful basketball player. I mean, there, there's evidence right now. What's he doing? He's doing 12, five assists, five rebounds. He's averaged more assists and rebounds than that alone. Like, of course, the shooting struggles are there. Like, it is this looming thing where the three-point ball may never come around. And that could be really important to this team. But the fact that he's averaging less rebounds and assists, to me, screams that he's just having a down stretch of games rather than this is truly who he is. So I, I think that part of that thinking uh, is what I've called football brain of just like, Everyone is so dialed into each and every game. And in football, especially college football, which is like the most biggest thing here, uh, you know, one game decides your entire season. And these seasons are short, you know, finite amount of time to get where you want to go. And the thing with the Thunder and Josh Giddy is, first of all, it's an 82 game season. So like the sample size gets bigger and bigger and you have a lot of time to adjust and everything. But also this season for the Thunder, I think. Yes, they're performing very well. Yes, I think that they're going to be a top six seed in the West. I don't think that that's like a hot take anymore, is that they're going to be you know, one of, one of the safe teams out of the play-in. But no matter what they do this season, they're not going to be a NBA Finals contending team. You can talk yourself into, like, maybe they can have a surprise run. The Mavericks did it with Luka a couple of seasons ago, and then they ended it in Golden State. But still, you, you can talk yourself into that sort of thing. But realistically... When you look at this team, they're not going to win the championship this year. And that's not the expectation. I think the expectation this year is, you know, go and have a hard-fought first-round series. Hopefully, you win it. But we don't really know how that's going to line up yet. Like last year, the Kings had a great regular season, you know, performance. Got the three seed. They just so happened to match up with those Hall of Famers and that dynastic team in Golden State and go to Game 7. You can't really count that as a failure, even though the higher seed didn't get out of the first round. So the, the, the pressure and point of emphasis of fans kind of wanting the Thunder to do it now and to go all in right now, they're just not there yet. So they have time. Like, give it time to see what Josh Giddy and this core becomes. They're in no rush and shouldn't be in a rush to make that decision right now because they're going to have time to pivot. They're going to have a lot of time to pivot, and they will pivot if things don't get better. But you want a larger sample size and a larger – kind of collection of data than just these 14 some odd games, especially whenever you're talking about Josh Giddy, who, as you mentioned, has had to change so much about himself. And I point out again, FIBA, like he was really good at FIBA. I don't think that in two months he forgot how to play basketball. I think that this is just a growing struggle of finding out his new role, finding out when to play. And even more importantly for Thunder fans is even if you only care about winning night to night, the Thunder have proven even last year, Whenever they didn't have as good of a team, that if Josh isn't playing well, he's not going to play basketball in the closing stretches and the most important stretches of games. So they have avenues to counteract that even game to game. So I think that you know with Josh Giddy, it, it just is it's not the hot take that you want, but he's not playing well right now. And we just have to see what is he going to become? What is he going to deliver 
as the season goes on. And if it's if it's this bad for 82 games, then in the summertime, you have a lot of discussions and a lot of decisions to make. But right now, you just have to monitor the situation. Yeah, I fully agree. And to people's point of, well, why isn't he the sixth man? Why aren't we doing different things with him role-wise? Or why aren't they trading him immediately? Tanking his value isn't going to help either. Like He is a high-value piece in this league, whether people want to believe it or not. And putting him, relegating him to a smaller role is going to tank that value, even if you want to ship him down the line. So not saying that is what this franchise has in mind. It's definitely not. He is going to be a part of this franchise for a very long time. He's going to have a large role on this team for a very long time. But relegating him to less minutes, less role, playing with bench players is not the way to to go about this situation, even if you are under the impression that other people are better in certain scenarios. Yeah, and, and I think that people put too much of a point of emphasis on like the first five. Yeah, and in reality, 100%. The starting five doesn't matter. Like you, you, you get called by the... PA announcer and you get to go through the little lineup and whatever that that's cool. But when you actually watch the games, the thunder are very quick to stagger those guys out. Like they leave in Lou and Shay, but then the rest of the starting five comes out early and they play with the bench the majority of the time uh, in the middle of the game. And at the end of the game, they try to close together if they're all playing well, but most of the time uh, there's kind of a little, little deviate from the starting five uh, in the closing lineup, but still in a operative world, the starting five plays together for a little bit of a chunk at the start of the first quarter. Then Shea and Lou close it out. Then the rest of the three come back in to play with the bench for those middle frames. So even though he is starting, he's getting what fans want anyway. He's getting time with the reserves and he's getting time, uh, you know, staggered off the floor from Shea. So like they're already doing that stuff without, without quote unquote benching him. Uh, now, Derek, let's talk. Thanks for just leaving me hanging there, Derek. Let's well, talk. I, I had an ad on uh, basketball reference just absolutely blaring in my ears. Did you well, end on a question? No. I, I feel I, like we I settled just, the case personally. Yeah. Okay. The verdict was in, but uh, you need to buy <laughs> stat head, by the way. But, uh, oh, and for the trolls, I did give DP clean the glass, so he has it now. So that's up to him to use it now, but he has it now. You can't let you the trolls in on, our, in on my secrets. You guys can relax, all right? <laughs> now, Kaysen Wallace, mm-hmm. you're the draft guy. You're big on Kaysen coming in. How has he performed in your expectations? And how good can he be? Because my take, call me crazy if you need to, that he can be an all-defensive team member in his career very easily and sooner than later. Not this year he's a rookie, but like sooner than later. Yeah, I mean – like you said, like I was very big on Kaysen. I think I had him fifth on my my final big board of the class. And I hold to that, obviously. He's even blown my expectations out of the water. I think if you'd asked me if I was expecting him to average 65% from the floor, I would say no. <laughs> so he, he's been unbelievable. I think it's clear he's an elite role player, even from 14 games. I mean, we can we can see like sample size be damned. We can see he is an elite role player, really, really good off and on ball defensively. Uh, offensively, he's done all that and more. The assists are there even in in his uh, 23 minutes per game. You know, 1.7 assists is great. That's scalable. Now, is he, the, the question is, is he more than a role player? Is he a budding star? I think it's up for debate, you know? The way he plays doesn't necessarily lend itself to stardom, but it does to impact, if that makes sense. So to your all-defense point, 
he's a guy that I think is going to offer all defensive level minutes for the next decade and a half, whatever. Is that necessarily going to translate to accolades? I don't know. I mean, Lou Dort gets star calls every single night. Luka Doncic is saying he's one of the best defenders in the league. Kevin Durant is saying he's one of the best defenders in the league, and it has not translated to stuff yet. So whether he is this quote unquote star, I don't know, but he's going to be a super impactful basketball player for a very long time. And that's exciting. It is exciting. And you can see how the Thunder already trust him and already put him in a lot of different scenarios. Now, Derek, coming up, let's talk Chet. Let's talk Shea MVP and the Thunder have a very tough five game stretch ahead. How will they look afterward all coming up? But first, what I'd say right now, pretty good friends over at eBay Motors, millions of part for parts for you uh, to be your MVP. You can win every time with parts that fit your ride at eBay Motors, folks. Our partners at eBay Motors have partnered up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. No matter if you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to help provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster, just as eBay Motors is guaranteed to fit your ride. It's the eBay Motors guarantee fantasy pick of the week from Josh Lloyd. Here's his team. Derek, help me out here. His team is Kyle Anderson, Santi Aldama, Jaden Ivey, Eric Gordon, and Alex Caruso. Who do you think would best fit that fantasy team out there? What, like other player? No, which player of that list? I, I oh, personally... The list you gave me? Yes. Give me the Caruso. Okay, I like that. I like that. Insert into the lineup. Caruso has an appealing fantasy option, uh, and so he'll be able to help out as the Bulls kind of try to figure things out and get back on track. But Josh Lloyd of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors is going to make sure that you get the championship team out of your ride that you want. So go there right now. If you have time right now, you should be going to eBay Motors because with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure rides stay running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever you need for your sweet, sweet baby, eBay Motors has it all. It's the guaranteed eBay Motors fit. Uh, and so if you're like me, I know nothing about cars. Zero. I couldn't tell you anything except for my make, model, my year. That's perfect because eBay, eBay Motors, when I put that information in, then boom, they're only showing me parts that can fit with my car. That way, I'm not guessing, I'm not wondering, I'm not hunting, and I'm not delaying my success with eBay Motors. Keep your ride-or-die car alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Motors is a guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball here with Inside the Thunders, Derek Parker at InsideTheThunder.com, DraftDigest.com, Park, OK on YouTube and on Twitter. Derek Parker, I want you to know that you can also check out the Lockdown Sports Today national YouTube channel, which is a 24-7 stream, one of its kind, of every Lockdown show, the local stories, biggest news from the local experts. So you can go check that out. 24-7 on the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. But Derek, Chet Holmgren, as good as advertised. You had to wait a whole year to see it. But so far, Chet Holmgren is as good as advertised. And he's slowly but surely adding more and more and more to his play offensively. What is Chet Holmgren in your mind? Like, I know we're getting swept up in these first few games. But 
mixing in what you thought of him pre-draft and mixing what we've seen from him so far in the NBA, where do you now see his ceiling at and like his potential to be as an overall player? Again, an, another guy I was really, really high on pre-draft. I had him number one personally, uh, and he has done nothing to dissuade that notion. Uh, the the first year thrown out the window, 17 points per game, eight rebounds, 2.6 assists, 56, 46, 91. This kid's a star, man. And for all the rookie of the year talk, which he should rightfully be number one in, feel like we're having the wrong conversation because if he's going to continue to do what he's doing at this level and the Thunder are going to continue to keep winning games, we need to be having the all-star conversation because a defensive anchor, 17, eight and three with two blocks a game. That's an all-star man. Rudy Gobert's got in for less than that. I'll tell you right now. The side swipe. At Rudy. <laughs> I, I'm a Gobert guy. I'm a Gobert guy, but that boy was never doing 56, 46, 91. I'll tell you that right now. You're a go you're a Gobert groomer. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> I I don't know about all that. That's crazy. <laughs> Derek, uh wow. Okay. All-star chat is what your projection was. Well, I'm gonna stick with that. How do you view him in the construct of this team with Shea. It seems like his two-man game with Shea is getting better and better by the game. Do you think that he compliments them and him as good as it appears? Oh, yeah, 1,000%. I mean, honestly, 14 games into this point, I don't think he's been used not the way he should have been. The chemistry is not has not been there. Like, the, the women Yama people will point to Shea and Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams as these guys that are table setting for Chet Holmgren all the time and, and are feeding him buckets. And that's the reason he's shooting this insane efficiency. It's not, you know, the chemistry is growing. It's getting better. They've done that for him at times. And obviously they have this gravity that, that detracts defenders away from Chet Holmgren, but he's getting a lot of buckets himself. Um, and it, it's a scary thought for the rest of the league that that's only going to continue to grow between them. He's good, man. He's really good. At, like you said, as advertised, worth the wait, a star, maybe not in the making, maybe a star currently. So he did top Victor on the rookie ladder today on NBA.com. Do you view him as potentially winning the award overall? My concern has been that like, I think that voters have kind of cast the vote already for Victor, given the hype, given, given the fact that, you know, the, those same voters called Victor the best prospects since LeBron James. And like, if you do that and he doesn't win rookie of the year, it might feel like there's a little egg on your face. How do you view that shaking out in an in, in overall meanless, like anecdote or like accolade, but like, how do you view it uh, shaping up? Maybe I'm naive and I've, I've been burned before. I trust the voters to do the right thing when it comes to something like this. Like it's, I personally have said that Victor Wembanyama was the best basketball prospect since LeBron, and I 100% still fully believe that. But it's also okay to say that Chet Holmgren is having a drastically better season in most facets of the game right now. Like, it's okay to say that. He's been a better basketball player. And I think at the end of the day, voters will see that. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Like I said, I've been burned before. I like it. You're the, you're the positivity. I'm the pessimist city. That's not a word at all, but 
We're going to roll with it. <laughs> we're going to book in this because we're going to talk about the draft coming up and the next five games coming up. But we're going to book in this with your two biggest Twitter fights this week. Josh Giddy, and then your whole Shea versus Luca thing, which was, you know, a thing that happened. Is Shea not only at the table for MVP, because technically he did finish fifth last year. That's kind of at the table adjacent. Which is higher than Luca. That's all I'll say. Okay, we want to keep going down that path. I'm I, I trying to throw you the life preserver there. But just kind of pass <laughs> nope. it up. Nope. I can swim, Where, baby. If we had a Derek Parker Kia MVP ladder, eBay Motors MVP ladder, uh-huh. where would Shay rank on that right now today? Um, honestly, I I like the current one. I think it's Jokic one, Luca two. And then some combination of like Giannis, LeBron at at three, four, I think, and then Shea at five. I think that's fair. And to say that, I, let me just let me defend the take. I never said Shea was better than Luca. I would never say that. I would never even angle that. That's not what I was trying to say. I think Shea statistically is closer to Lucas here than some of these other guys he gets grouped in with. I mean, thirty six and six to Lucas thirty eight and eight. With Shea's potential all defense right now, like there's a genuine possibility he gets voted to second team all defense. Maybe not, but he has some of the most deflections in the league. He's leading the league in steals. He's like fifth in stocks. He's really, really good defensively, a huge part of basketball. He's not as far away from Luka statistically as people think. I think they're close to the same tier. Again, closer than he is to, say, Ant Edwards right now. People didn't like that at all, and I get it. If we're talking about playoff success, yes, Luka is phenomenal. He has an obvious one-up, but Shea is, he's good, man, and top five MVP finishes, they're both first-team All-NBA guards coming off last season. It's not that crazy a conversation as people think. It's just not. It's not. It's not, and and I, you know, I look at this, and I think that Shea, I, I personally like the basketball reference uh, probability tracker for MVP, and they have Shea third behind Jokic and Embiid. And I, and I think that that's perfect. I, I, I think that, you know, this team is able to weather the storm without him, as we've seen. And, and you know, it, it's good. That, that's not a knock on Shea. They're just better at, at weathering a storm whenever Shea does have uh, not his best self each and every night. But still, he's the straw that stirs the drink on both ends. And like, for this team to be as good as they need to be, despite having this really good young core, they have to have Shea. And he's a catalyst defensively, which I think does matter, especially in MVP, because each side of the floor is 50%. So like if you're if you're not performing at all on one side, which I think Luca's gotten better defensively this year, but still, if you're not performing at all on one side, then uh, you know, that kind of knocks you down a little bit. So for me, I like the MVP uh probability from from basketball reference. I would have it. Uh, you know, Jokic and Bede, Shea. I, I, I'd probably move Shea uh, a, a tick above Joel, but you you can convince me either way on those three guys. And then, you know, the rest of the list is up for interpretation. Like, I would throw Luca in there. I'd throw Giannis in there a little bit, uh, but like mainly Luca, maybe a sneaky Halliburton. But uh, to me, the I'm top at... three. Go ahead. My, oh, that's my guy. Hall- oh, you're, a Hallib- you're a Halliburton bro. I like that. I like that. But yeah. I think Shea is not only in the conversation, but uh, he'll be ranking at the top of the conversation as the season progresses uh, coming up this season.
coming up on the show. Let's talk the next five games. Very dangerous stretch for OKC and the upcoming NBA draft with our draft guru, D-Park OK. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at FanDuel, it's the best time to go to FanDuel, just like it's the best time to wear a striped sweater. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with winning any $5 money line bet. So the money line is just who you think will win the game. So if you're catching on here, you can get that $150 in bonus bets if you pick the biggest favorite on the board and they win that game. You can also bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can do all this by going to Fender.com slash LockedOn. Why I say it's the best time to go to FanDuel is because everything's on the table. You have the NBA. You have college basketball. You have the NFL, college football, and everything else that you enjoy watching, NHL. So if you're only an NBA fan, I totally get it. That's why you're listening to the show. For example, tonight at home, the Thunder are favorites against the Bulls by seven points. You can go take the spread, or if you want that $150 in bonus bets, take them on the money line to win this game against Billy Donovan. We'll talk more about this stretch coming up on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. We're here with Derek Parker on Twitter, Park, okay, draftdigest.com, insidethethunder.com. Derek, before we get to the draft stuff, let's look at these next five games. After tonight's Bulls game, this is the stretch. Sixers, Wolves, Lakers, Mavericks, a spunky little jazz team. I'm not just saying that because D- David Locke's my boss. Spunky little jazz team. This, I think, will kind of be a huge measuring stick for just how good this team is. They, they handled their business on the road trip. That was fantastic. And that felt extremely good for this young Thunder team. But how they handle Sixers, Wolves, Lakers, Mavs, Jazz, I think will go a long way in determining just how all-in fans can get. And if they handle this stretch the way that they might be able to, that December homestand will be raucous. Now, Now, Derek, what are we looking at here? In your best guess, what happens in the next five games? Well, I think firstly, Oklahoma City is going to need J-Dub back. I'm not sure what the timetable is for that, but he is absolutely integral to what they're going to need to do against every single one of these teams to win, both offensively and defensively. If they can get that, I mean, these are good teams. Like the 76ers are at the top of the list right now of who you want to beat. The Wolves are right there as well. And then the Lakers, Mavs, both really, really tough teams in their respective uh, areas. And then the Jazz, like you said, no pushover. I think three and two would genuinely be a win for this. If they can do more than that, great. Anything less, it's not going to be a hit the panic button, but it might be closer to what people were expecting at the beginning of the season. So with this stretch, I am very intrigued with it. Now, you mentioned J-Dub. This is just, if I had to guess, this is not like official. I find it interesting. They were able to rest him on Sunday against the Blazers. He woke up sore from a from a hip injury he sustained in Golden State. He played through it, of course, in Golden State. He was healthy enough to play through it, but he woke up sore. So he's off on Sunday. Thunder have off days Monday, Tuesday. That's only the second time this year that they've had consecutive off days. And then they announce he's out Wednesday versus the Bulls, a team they've already blown out, a team in disarray, and a team that they should still take care of tonight in the Paycom Center. So you miss two games. You get Thursday, Friday off. You miss two games for six days off heading into 
this incredibly tough five-game stretch. If I had to guess, that was a very strategic plan. Now, that is just a speculation. That is not anything that you should run with, but it's interesting that it sets up that way to where if he is able to go, what a great layout to get those six days off at the sacrifice of two games, both against opponents who you should be better than and were better than Sunday and seven-point favorites against uh, on Wednesday against the Bulls. Now, of this stretch, whenever you look at these teams, who do you think that they match up with the best, excluding the Jazz, and who do you think that they match up with the worst? I like... It's tough because they've got such great defensive pieces. I feel like they match up well with a lot of these teams. You know, they can throw point of attack defenders at Tyrese Maxey and Chet Holmgren can limit and be the way only Chet Holmgren can. And it's the same with the Wolves. I mean, you can throw Kaysen Wallace, Lou Dort, J-Dub at Anthony Edwards and whoever else. And then you're also going to have Chet Holmgren in the paint. It's tough. I, I feel like they've got to, they're going to be able to give their best shot to a lot of these teams. The Wolves, I feel like, are maybe the the one I like the least here, considering they've got two seven-footers to the rest of these one. That's exactly my pick for the worst matchup. I, I am, I'm not saying it's like an automatic loss. I'm just interested to see like the litmus test of how they handle Minnesota. I think that they match up best with the Mavericks because if even if Luka and Kyrie play, as you mentioned before, they have three really good perimeter defenders on Lou, Case, and Shea. And then Chet versus Lively, I like that matchup for the Thunder. Uh, and then from there, I think the Thunders have better complementary pieces than the Mavericks do. I mean, the Mavericks tried. I'll give them credit. They tried to go get Grant Williams. They tried to go get Seth Curry. And and, and they did a good job this offseason for the resources, resources that they had. But uh, ultimately, uh, past the, the first guy, I think that the Thunder have better pieces. And so whenever you have the ability to try to negate what they can do and the Mavericks don't play a lick of defense, period, and the Thunder have a very efficient shooting team right now, and we'll see if that comes back down to earth. But, like, I am in really – Interested to see how the Thunder handle playing the Mavericks and, the, and their poor defense, and then how they handle playing the Wolves. And like they're a very good team right now, and they have the size and everything else in the second season tournament games. So like, what does uh, what does it look like in terms of uh, elimination standings? There, they avoided elimination on yesterday's uh, in season tournament day. Can they survive up until that game against the Warriors? Now, Derek, what we all come to know and love from you is your draft talk. You can find it at draftdigest.com, Derek. What are some names that people should look out for? Give me, give me like three or five names, three to five okay. of, of names that the Thunder fans should be paying attention to in this draft. Yeah, I want to preface by saying I think there are less thundery people than normal in this draft. Not that they're not going to have guys that they're looking at and that they like and that are good basketball players eventually down the line. I just think it's less clear cut than it has been in these last few years. Like, Pretty much everyone and their mom knew that the Thunder were a fan of Usman Jing. And I, I just don't see a ton of guys exactly like that in this draft. I assumed that that they would like Kaysen as well. Again, just don't see guys that fit that mold in this draft. But I think if if we're thinking in that 10 to 20 range for the Rockets, Clippers, and Thunder picks, I think you need to start probably with Zachary Rizache of France. He's a lengthy wing forward project pick. Uh, very smooth, but has yet to really put everything together. Similar to the projects of drafts past, like Usman Jing. He can handle block shots primarily or secondarily. 
The shot is really, really iffy. It's really flat. And he's not my personal favorite prospect, but I think he's a guy that Oklahoma City will definitely, definitely have their eye on. Uh, Nikola Topic, uh, out of Mega Miss, six foot six point guard out of Serbia. He's doing some wild things statistically in the Adriatic League right now. And I think he provides some of that similar versatility to other guards that that Oklahoma City has drafted. You know, they drafted Kaysen, who is effectively a point guard, but he's playing small forward right now in certain roles. And I think that Topic would be able to kind of slot in and out of lineups like that. He might get top five buzz by the time this thing's all said and done because he's that good. But for now, a guy that I think uh, would be a target for them in the 10 to 20 range, Izan Almanza out of the G League Ignite, six foot nine, 10 forward, uh, 19 years old, has pretty much every international accolade you could have under his belt. Great positional versatility, can put the ball on the floor, very smart basketball player. The one thing holding him back from being the perfect Thunder prospect is the three-point shooting, which is pretty much non-existent right now, but he's got some Kenny Hustle to him in the fact that he's really, really versatile defensively and is a smart offensive player. Bobby Clintman, NBL, another six foot ten forward wing hybrid. Again, can do a little bit of everything smooth for his size, but has yet to like really, really make an impact. We've heard Presti say before that he really respects and admires players who are bold enough to throw themselves into different situations. And Clintman has done it twice now in the fact that he grew up in Sweden, came over to play for Wake Forest, and now has gone from Wake Forest to the NBL and is off to a hot start there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's on Thunder list for that reason. And then my last prospect, number five, Cody Williams, Colorado, obvious reasons, brother of J-Dub. But more than that, he's he's a good basketball player. He's lengthy wing who can do a little bit of everything. Good defensive prospect, good athleticism, good connective passer. Probably wouldn't be a flashy draft pick, but he is a guy who would fit the identity and culture of the Thunder well. I love it. I love it. My number one guy is Alex Saar, and I wonder if they could ever uh, make a move to get up there to get him. That's going to be a lofty goal, though, I believe, in this draft. So we'll see what they do. Derek, thanks for joining us. Let them know where they can find what you're cooking in. They can get in fights with you, a little dust-ups with you on Twitter because you just love to, uh, to engage there. Yeah. If you're wanting to fight, I'm on Twitter at D park. Okay. Uh, YouTube, Derek dash Parker. Uh, you can find all my writing inside the thunder.com draft digest on the sports illustrated fan nation channels. Is that it? I think that's it. Those are the spots. That's it for D park. Okay. On Twitter. That's it for at Rodland underscore styles on Twitter. And until tonight, as we recap the Bulls game, be good and be good to one another.